Hello, and welcome to another episode of You Can Manage That, a podcast for first-time managers who want to level up their leadership skills. I'm your host, Chris Asper, and if you're a first-time manager who wants to learn from the experiences of another leader, in particular, a leader who has won numerous awards in her industry and her community, then you need to listen to this episode. Joining me today is Vice President of People Experience for Shiny Docs, Heidi Haver. Shiny Docs is a Canadian data-centric software company rethinking the way that you find, understand, and action your data. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Chris. Yeah. Uh, before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to Lydia DeFrancesco. Uh, without her, this interview wouldn't exist. So Lydia, if you are listening, thank you so much for setting this up. Agreed. Thank you, Lydia, for connecting the two of us. So Heidi, tell us more about your leadership journey. I have an interesting leadership story. I didn't intentionally think early in my career that I was going to be in a leadership position. But as time went on, I realized that was something I was really interested in pursuing. And I would say, and I often say this, I do a lot of work in our community. And I actually started my leadership career more on the volunteer side than long before anybody would actually pay me to lead. I started my career as an administrative assistant. As I was continuing my studies, I started in the recruiting industry and then realized fairly quickly that I wanted to transition to become more of an HR generalist. And in those early days, I you know, realized that HR was definitely where I found my passion. I found what I wanted to do the rest of my career. And I started early days looking at job descriptions for VP of HRs. And I, I sort of mapped my career out based on some of those early days of researching. Throughout my, my career, I've had some incredible teams that I've been very fortunate to lead. I've been able to lead both in my professional day job as, a, as an HR leader, leading talent teams, building a culture and helping companies scale their operations. I've been very fortunate to help a variety of different companies, both in the technology space where I spend most of my career, but again, also in the nonprofit space. And from a community perspective, I've had a number of incredible opportunities to lead organizations through change, transition. So I've had a lot of great experiences over the years. Um, I am one of those individuals that love what they do. It brings me purpose. I feel very fortunate. And I think that I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your journey. I heard this story of intentionality in, in when you were talking about it, how you saw what the VP was doing when you first started and you mapped it out, thinking about what are the skills, the experiences, the education that you'll need to eventually work your way up there. So it's amazing that you were able to do that and being able to achieve that to what you're doing today. I know that you've won a lot of awards during your career. What would you say are some of the favorite awards that you've won thus far? Well, I feel very fortunate to have been recognized for the work that I've done. I would say two words stick out that have recently been recognized with. One was an alumni of a year award with Algonquin College. That was a business award. Mm -hmm. And you can appreciate that as an HR leader who is often trying to transform the way we think of human resources. That to me was a very proud moment of being able to be part of the business category and being recognized for my business accomplishments. And any award that recognizes my volunteerism and the community work that I've done is something that I'm always incredibly proud of. I feel it also gives me a platform to celebrate volunteerism and encourage others to get involved. 
And even the most recent award that I've received for community impact, I had someone immediately come and speak to me right after to introduce themselves, to share that they're eager and excited to start volunteering. And their plan is to do that in like two years. And I sort of stopped them and said, why two years? Why not now? And we had this really amazing conversation. You know, I think a lot of people assume they don't have something to offer or contribute, or they don't have enough time or energy. And I'm always promoting folks to and encouraging them, being their biggest cheerleader to get out. We can all be part of the change. And sometimes that's maybe an hour a year that you participate in a radiothon, or maybe that's an hour a month. And I truly believe once I started volunteering, Chris, I never looked back. I often sometimes take on way too much, but it brings me purpose. It brings me joy and happiness. And it's something that has really fueled my life. And it's taught me so much. I've developed lifelong friendships from the people that I've met throughout my volunteering experience. And I have, I think, built an incredibly connected network with some really deep relationships over the years. And I've developed some really amazing experience because of that experience. So for me, those awards definitely stand out when it's recognizing the community impact. Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of passion from you with regards to when you're speaking about volunteering. It obviously gives you a lot of purpose. And perhaps purpose is one of those things that is a secret to your success, would you say? Yes? Don't we all want purpose, right? My hope for everyone that I cross paths with is that they love what they do, no matter what that is. They're passionate about it, and that that leads to purpose. Sometimes it doesn't happen overnight, and it takes some more time for others to figure that out certainly did for me. I didn't have a linear kind of career path. I took some steps forward, backwards, kind of sidestepped here or there, but ultimately found myself in a place where I I definitely am in the right career doing things that bring me a lot of joy and happiness. Life is short. So you do want to find work where you, I know it's cliche, but where you don't feel like that you're working and that it just, it's something that naturally comes to you and that you enjoy and that you're willing to put in all the hard work that it takes to get to where you want to. And I think that that's really important. Would you say that that's your secret to success? I would definitely say that is part of it. Putting in the work, willing to challenge yourself, get uncomfortable, and that is growth. You know, and I didn't realize that early days as a leader. And a lot of us, I think, try to not be uncomfortable. <laughs> We're wanting to stay uh, safe and comfortable and in our comfort zone. But when I realized a number of years ago that whenever I had that feeling of this is uncomfortable, I would push forward because I knew I was going to be growing and stretching myself. I came from a pretty humble background. And I think my humility is a strength still today. I've always been willing to put in the hard work and the effort. I think that's one of the things that has differentiated me. I think I've, I've got a growth mindset. I think that is absolutely important today. Um, every organization is looking for people who can come with that growth mindset. I think I'm resilient. My self-awareness, I think I've developed over the years. And I think that's critical as well for all leaders. And I think I, I say that as a strength that I'm working on all the time. Self-awareness, I think a superpower. I think it's a gift, um, but it's something you have to nurture. I read a lot. I'm always trying to learn and develop my skills and build my experience. I think that that's what enables you to be the best leader you can, helps you to be as empathetic and understanding when you have a breadth of knowledge that you can bring to the table. And also this willingness to continue to learn from others, I think is super critical. 
And definitely learning from, from our own mistakes, I think is also really critical too. 100%. Recently, my kids read a book and it, was, it said, when you mess up, fess up. And I think that was such great advice. I think as early leaders, we often don't appreciate that our goals have shifted. You know, it's no longer about our own success. It's about the success of our teams. And it's about bringing people into that fold that complement your skills, that fill in what I always like to say is your gaps. I almost remember the time when I, I made that shift of being, you know, and I don't need to be vulnerable and think that I'm going to be hiring someone that's better than me. That's what I'm striving to do. You know, that's what I'm going to go out to do, to find the folks that are going to complement my skills, fill in my gaps, and that together we're going to be a, just a stronger team. And I see that a lot in early leaders where they feel like they have to know all the answers. They have to be the smartest person in the room. I'm here to tell you, actually, that's not your role. Your role is to empower others, right? To bring out the best in others, help them find their, their passion, help ensure that they know what success looks like and help them carve out that path. Your role shifts when you become a people leader, right? It's less about you. It's actually more about the success of your team. And the more that you can complement your team with strengths and especially filling your gaps, I think the more empowered you are as a leader. Thanks. So let's talk about that because you've learned from your own mistakes and you talked about self-awareness. Any other specific mistakes that perhaps you've made or you've seen other first-time managers make and what they should be doing instead? Absolutely. Definitely when you've learned something, you want to make sure that you're not making the same mistakes over and over. And I think a lot of us, especially when you have that high sense of urgency, micromanagement is something that I think a lot of the early leaders experience. I did as well. You know, you have to recognize what your role is and it's more coach and mentor. And it's about guiding individuals, teaching them how to fish so they can fish on their own. Mm -hmm. And I think micromanagement is something that we all generally have to overcome and I think finding that flow is really critical. And I think part of that is asking for feedback. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I didn't do enough, Chris, of early days is ask for feedback. How am I doing as your leader? Are you getting enough information from me? You know, do you have enough support? And I think having those conversations is really critical. And I think can help a lot of early leaders understand how they're doing. We assume as leaders, we should be giving feedback and we should. But we have to also be asking for the feedback. It can't be a one-way discussion. It has to be a two-way discussion. And I think we have to take more opportunities to lean in and ask for feedback. And then also be able to, uh, having that willingness to ask for help when you need help. And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for help as a leader. I actually think it paves the way and sets the example for others to be able to ask for help and support when they need it. I would say there's one other thing too that, is often really tricky, especially when you're early in your career and you're building out your pathway and you, your colleagues one day and then the next day you may be someone's manager. Finding again that balance and that flow of how do you continue to care about this individual if there's a friendship there, recognizing, you know, what your new role is. And I think a lot of early leaders try to be everyone's friend and make everybody happy and treat everyone the same. And, you know, I think that one of the things you realize along the way is that everybody is unique and don't necessarily want to be treated the same. They want to be treated the way that they need to be treated. And you need to understand that and explore that. What does this person need? What type of leadership would they flourish with the best? And what kind of feedback do they need and want to get? And 
taking stock that uh, sometimes as a manager, you're now balancing the interests not only of your team, but the business. And I think that's really critical. And something I, I encourage all new leaders to think about is changing that mindset that it's not just about you. It's not just about your team. Now you also have a responsibility as a leader in the business. And sometimes the decisions we have to make are what's best for the business, not necessarily what's best for our team. And it's finding that balance and obviously always cheerleading and championing for your team, but recognizing that there's also the business responsibility that you have on top of being a people leader. I think I got a few things there. Number one is that difficult transition from peer uh, to being people's leaders. That could be difficult. And then number two, you talked about getting some feedback on your own performance. And I think it links to what you talked about earlier about self-awareness. And you said that self-awareness is a leadership superpower. So do you have any practical things for first-time managers to do to increase their self-awareness? Being open to feedback yourself and being willing to truly listen and hear what your folks are telling you. I think also it's the language that you're using. So one of the things that I realized, and again, this came from self-awareness, I would often ask my team for feedback and it's uncomfortable when your manager starts asking you for feedback that they haven't been asking previously. Mm -hmm. And I think that self-awareness is that willingness to hear from your folks. And then of course, put the feedback that they share with you in action. I think self-awareness is something that takes time to nurture. Mm -hmm. I think it takes time to explore. And I think we're always on that kind of journey as a human being, right? I think other things around self, uh, self-awareness is understanding what your strengths are and understanding that you're not going to perfect everything and what are the things that you're maybe not that strong in. And that's why I go back to when you're building out your team, understanding that is super critical. So when you know what your strengths are and you know what areas you need to continue to work on and or you're just maybe not great at or maybe you don't want to. Sometimes you just think, okay, I'm not great at this. I don't want to be great at this, but I'm going to bring someone in that could complement our team who has that strength. That is super critical. And I think that will enable you to build the best team you can when you have that openness and willingness to self-reflect and appreciate that. And I think that changes, right? You have to continue to check in with yourself as a leader as you gain experience, because the things that you may have been strong in in the early days may no longer be a strength as time goes on. And I think you need to be willing and open to exploring that. And it goes back to the conversation we're having around when you make mistakes, I think self-awareness there and being vulnerable maybe feeling vulnerable initially, but over time having the the confidence of saying, you know what, I really, I messed that up, but here's what I've learned from it. Again, creates that open environment for your team to also realize that they too can make mistakes Mm -hmm. and that we're going to learn from it together. Thanks. What I'm getting from you is that you never stop learning as a leader, right? Um, You're always learning about yourself. You're learning about new tactics, new things. And you talked about reading earlier. So I'm just curious, it sounds to me like you read a lot of books. Is that correct? I read a lot. Okay. So in this case, for listeners who like to read, people who are maybe looking for book recommendations, what books do you think first-time managers should be adding to their personal library? I do think it is important as a leader, though, to keep yourself current and up to date on what's happening and embracing new ideas, I think is really important. So I do think that reading and being that lifelong learner is super, super important. Some of my favorite books aren't necessarily 
considered maybe management books, but really do help maybe more on the self-awareness side, which obviously ties in, I think, to being a great leader. The Power of Habit is just one of those books that I think everyone should read for both personal and professional growth. It was a book from quite a while ago, but it's still one of my favorite books that I reference a lot. There have been a lot of other books on habits that have been written since that book that often refer to the power of habits. The Power of Moments is another book that was authored by Chip and Dan Heath. And this book is about the powerful moments that can be created in all walks of life, be it work, be it in your personal experience. And the stories really resonate with me because as a leader, we have this incredible opportunity to create powerful moments for our folks, right? From the candidate experience when you're recruiting someone new to creating an incredible employee experience for your team. And there's a lot of really inspiring stories in the power of moments that I think um, your audience would appreciate. One that I've appreciated from a personal perspective and a professional perspective is You Are the Placebo. Hmm. You Are the Placebo is a book I've read many years ago. Again, I keep it pretty close. It's just an incredible book. Again, lots of great stories. A lot of the books that I read have, there's that human connection where you have great examples of the thought leadership the author is expressing and obviously giving you concrete examples of um, how it's playing out. And I think that is what resonates for me. Another book that I think as an early leader I read that really helped me because a lot of times, you know, you're transitioning to having usually a bigger audience. You may be presenting to larger groups. You may be now accountable for being asked to speak outside of your business, but representing your company, Mm -hmm. speaking as a leader from Judith Humphreys. I love Judith's book. And this one is one of my favorites. So speaking as a leader is definitely one of my top picks when recommending books to first time leaders. One other book for the early leaders that I think is really great is called Turn the Ship Around. And I had an opportunity to meet the author many years ago. And it's a really incredible story. U.S. Navy and how this leader literally turned the, I think it was the worst reported team. He really had to literally turn the ship around Mm. on the ship. It was such an incredible book, very inspiring. The leader himself, super humble, but just a really great story about how you can really truly empower and inspire a team and how this team literally it chronicles the journey of how they did that and how they ended up being the team on top. And it, it's just a really inspiring and fun book that demonstrates that anything is possible as a leader. Excellent. So for those book recommendations, I'm going to drop the names of those books into the show notes. So if you are interested, check those out. I want to transition because, you know, you're the VP of Shiny Docs and you're a female leader. And I speak to a lot of female leaders who are up and coming They have this experience, and I wonder if you've had that experience too, where they may not have been taken seriously because of their gender. And maybe that's now or early days, but I'm just curious if you've had that experience. And if so, how did you personally deal with it? I've been really fortunate to work with some really great teams and some great leaders, especially in the last 10 years. I've worked with three really incredible CEOs then, and I've never felt less competent or capable than my peers. I think early days, it is again about that self-awareness. And when I was building my self-awareness, building my confidence, I didn't always have the voice that I have today where I would be expressing what I needed and what I wanted. And I think for a lot of early leaders, uh, women in particular, 
that is a challenge where they're uncomfortable sometimes expressing what they need and sharing what they want. And I think that it's incredibly important to gather that confidence and build that confidence. It's important for so many reasons. One, you can never know who you're going to be inspiring, right? To also take that leap of faith and lean in and ask what they need or want. And I think it's a right, you know, when you're capable and you're competent and you're doing great work and you know that you're equal to your peers, then you should absolutely one, be surrounding yourself with other women that are empowering you and equipping you for success and other men as well. And also not being afraid and removing that roadblock from yourself. And sometimes we've often heard kind of fake it till you make it. Someone recently said, face it till you make it. And I love mm. that. But sometimes you need to put yourself out there and again, get comfortable with being uncomfortable mm. and be willing to champion for yourself. And I think that's really important. And then remember to pay it forward later. A lot of the time I've spent in the community over the last few years is as a mentor, is about taking time to lean in and support someone else, to help equip them and help empower them and inspire them, hopefully to raise their voice and to push that, that feeling of discomfort away uh, long enough for them to kind of raise their voice and ask for what they need and want. Hmm. I'm just reflecting here because you said the word confidence and then you said the word mentorship. I think confidence can also come when we're actually helping other people and we're not thinking about ourselves. And then we actually see that, oh my gosh, I actually have an impact. I am a powerful person, not for ego states, but I can impact people just by being me. And I think that is that source of confidence. A hundred percent. And I have had numerous conversations over the years when I've mentored folks. And often one of the conversations we'll have is, when are you going to become a mentor? And folks, you know, mostly women will say to me, oh, I'm not ready. And I'm like, why aren't you ready? And I'm like, you have something amazing to offer mm -hmm. someone who's at a different stage in their career. And I think when you look at it, like I have something to offer, you know, I can share my first year as a manager to someone who's just become a manager. That's incredibly empowering. It does absolutely build confidence. I mean, I know from experience that it can really inspire you to just continue to pay it forward. I had, Chris, a lot of incredible mentors along my journey, and I choose to pay it forward for that reason. Early days, I had folks were in my corner. I still do. I still have folks in my corner. Um, but I think that it made me realize that we all have a value to add and that you never know when a conversation that you have with someone else can inspire them to make a, a tough decision or inspire them to have that really important conversation with their manager my favorite quote is be the change we wish to see in the world. I think there's so much of that. I think this is just also just acts of kindness. And the thing that I think a lot of people don't appreciate when they haven't given back and mentored is how much you learn. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I, I could write a book about the knowledge and the ex lived experiences that people have shared with me and the wisdom that I've gained from my mentorship relationships I often feel, Chris, that I'm learning more than I'm actually contributing. And that's to me is super powerful. And I think it's something that I continue to be really motivated to do myself. Mm -hmm. Even at this stage, I have mentors that I still lean in on and that I still have a relationship with. And it's this beautiful journey, right? And as an early leader, recognizing you do have something to contribute and you should be celebrating where you are in your journey. And I think just even let's talk about the journey, right? 
I'm a big believer in it is about the journey. It's not the destination because the reality is you're going to have many destinations in your career mm-hmm. and some of which you've planned for and others which you haven't planned for. And if you focus on the journey, I think you can just embrace change and be willing to be brave and embrace things that maybe you wouldn't otherwise have more than if you're thinking just about where am I going and how I'm going to get there. I want to talk about that journey because I think for women, that journey may be different than some of the journeys for men when it comes to being a leader. I want to talk about something called the double bind bias. And then I think that's something specifically that more women leaders face than men. And it's this idea that when corporate boardrooms, women often face backlash or perhaps negative career consequences when they can't display both warmth and competence. And so I'm just curious if you've faced this and if so, how did you manage this along your own leadership journey? I mean, my profession faces this, right? Mm-hmm. In human resources. I'd love to tell a story about this because I think I had an epiphany moment probably about 10 years ago when I was sort of kind of going from manager to sort of that director level. And I realized that I often led conversations where I feel really strongly about this. And my colleagues would look at me, often my male colleagues, and I could tell that I wasn't capturing their attention. And when I realized that, especially because I come from the technology space, that I needed to hone my business knowledge. And I needed to speak in the language that my colleagues understood, regardless of gender. And, you know, I've come often from a a data company like I am today, and I've spent a lot of time in technology and the technology sector. And it's realized that, you know, I can still be me. Like, Chris, I still go to the meetings today and say, I feel really strongly about this. But here's the data that backs up why I feel so strongly about this. And let me analyze for you my superpower is demonstrating the insights around the data that I present today. I didn't always do that. And so I think absolutely this exists. And I I try to turn it on its head and create something that may not be as positive of an experience and seeing how can I actually turn this into something that is a learning opportunity. And I did that. Like I realized, okay, if I want to be taken seriously and I want to demonstrate strategic value that I bring and that my team brings to the table, And, you know, I want to be continuing to look at nurturing my business acumen. I want to be learning about our business, asking questions and being more in tune on what's happening on the day to day. And I think that's not only in my own profession, how we as HR leaders can be more strategic and valued. I think it's all leaders. You know, do you know what's happening in in your business beyond your function? And I think that's really critical. I'm in a data company, so I, I've become a bit of obsessed with data over the years because I think it is also a superpower understanding and being making informed decisions based on data is incredibly important today. But leveraging the insights and the knowledge you bring to the table to help bring light to what the data means is really critical. And I would say that, I mean, in the last probably 10 years of my career, when I had my own mindset shift on this, I've felt much more confident and feel that I'm on level playing field with all of my colleagues. We've talked about a lot of things today. If there's one thing that you want my audience of first-time managers to remember, what do you want them to remember from this episode? Celebrate your journey. Be kind to yourself along the way. There is no path that you need to follow. I certainly didn't follow a very linear path. But I think celebrating your milestones along the journey and some of the missteps, I think, is really critical. Learn from that 
and surround yourself with people that inspire you and that can be your champion and then go and pay it forward and be somebody else's champion. Amazing. Thank you so much. Heidi, for those who haven't heard about Shiny Docs, what does the company do? I'm really excited about Shiny Docs. We've been in business for a number of years. We have some incredible products. We're really rethinking data. Data is important for every business. We all have a lot of data. And really what we're doing is giving clients total visibility and control of the information that they have. We're empowering them to confidently tackle all of their data puzzles. And I think that in today's world, a lot of companies don't even realize how much data they have. And we enable them to figure that out. Our products help scan both structured and unstructured data sources. We help everybody connect it together. And then we can help our clients deliver insights that really have an impact on driving their businesses forward. And where can they find more information about Shiny Docs as well as connect with you? ShinyDocs.com is the website link. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. I don't follow any other social media, but I, I am pretty active on LinkedIn. And I would love to hear from you. I regularly expand my network. And if you have a question about any of the books or would like another book recommendation, I uh, would love to hear from your users and would be happy to support. Heidi, I know you're a busy person. I just want to thank you so much for sharing your time, your expertise with us today. Appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I will end with saying that, you know, we, I often use productive because I feel when I say I'm busy, I, I'm a spitting around. Um, but I often feel like when I say I'm being productive, I actually feel a lot more productive mm. and feel a lot more settled uh, in my day. But Chris, I appreciate your time. I think this is an incredible opportunity for new leaders to gain a wealth of experience and then make it their own, right? Mm. Everybody's got their own journey. Um, but to take away lessons from the leaders that you're speaking with and being able to put together a toolkit for themselves, I think it's pretty special. Thanks for listening to You Can Manage That. For more information about Heidi, you can go to Shiny Docs' website as well as Heidi's LinkedIn profile. The link is in the show notes. I'm Chris Asper. For more information about me, check out my website as well as LinkedIn. The link to my website and my LinkedIn is in the show notes. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. Join us again next time when we talk with other leaders and experts so you can manage that. Bye for now.